Welcome to The Big Deal, where we'll unlock the details and drama behind the business of sport in Australia and around the world. Join me, Warren Treadray, along with Andrew Montessi, Dion Heyman and our expert guests as we take you into the boardroom for behind-the-scenes access and analysis of contracts, negotiations, endorsements and more. Don't forget to sign up at www.thebigdeal.au for a weekly wrap of the latest deals, breaking news and many more exclusive opportunities. Welcome to The Big Deal. I'm Andrew Montessi and we're continuing our series on the art of the deal, revealing what it really takes for a sports star and their agent to secure a lucrative contract. Welcome back again to AFL legend Warren Treadray and top sports agent Marty Pask. Boys, how are we going with the series so far? Well, I want 2.5 year and I want a nine-year deal. But I'll take two a year for 10 years if Marty can lock that away for me. Yeah, well, I don't know how many local footy clubs can pay that anymore, Treaders. <laughs> for a bloke who can't run. Jeez, not bad. <laughs> but no, it's going well. I've quite, I've quite enjoyed it. We've, we've covered off preparation, managing expectations, exchanging information. So uh, the next one should be uh, quite interesting as we, as we wind up the, the art of negotiation. Yeah, see, this is where I really want to understand your style, Marty. Like, what is your negotiation philosophy? Uh, well, mine's always to be honest. Um, I think that's the the key thing. No, that's not. That's no fun. No one wins with honesty. Not this game. Come on, mate. I know. I know. But it, it's it's funny, isn't it? It's so simple, but it's always something that I've always tried to pride any uh, negotiation I've ever done. And it's and it's they might not like the information, and they might not like it. But I hope they could always just walk away and go, geez, you know, it, at least it was honest and it was delivered well um, because that's it. I mean, telling bad news or hard news um, is often the, the hardest part of, of any negotiation, I think. The good news stuff's easy. He's in. We're doing it. But the, the hard stuff, yeah. In our previous episode, we talked a little bit NBA, how the culture there is to just want to get paid as opposed to, maximise your contract where you are. Have you ever felt in a situation where you've had to deliver some message to a club and go, you know, it just wants to get paid. We're going to market. There's a bit of that and it's how you do it, absolutely. Uh, I think free agency, mate, is the biggest one since since you stopped playing. Um, that I think that that encourages that conversation now that potentially wasn't accessible or available, um, you know, particularly in the turn of the 2000s where um, when you were playing to, to where we are now that I, I think that players leaving uh, the conversation open and, and their agents opening up discussion and debate and the fact that you can now leave um, by just putting an offer in at the end of the season um, via free agency um, certainly um, uh, assists that conversation where you can have a player at 27, 28, call it, uh, that's out of contract, first time that they're really looking at free agency um, whilst, you know, the, the variances of their deals have, have played out. And uh, they might have been at the end of success. The club changes coaches, uh, different philosophy, and then it might be convenient for the club they're currently at for them to say, hey, go explore free agency, see what you're worth, uh, then come back to us have a great, honest conversation around value and where you think it is. And, hey, if we can't pay it, um, you go with our blessing. Um, that might that might be coming. But I, I think it all goes back to that that preparation 
understanding where the club sits, managing the right expectation. And then um, if that's his key focus, then it's a pretty easy conversation at the start of the season to let the club know that, hey, he wants to he wants to maximise his earning potential this season. They might say, great, let's do it with us. Or they might say, look, it's best he starts having a look. And, and that conversation can take place pretty early in the season. So, Marty, what does it actually look like to get in a room and negotiate? I mean, you know, in the corporate world, you see guys doing the slick pitches and, you know, they've got the slide deck and I don't imagine it's at that at that level. How formal is it? I mean, I'm, I'm sure you guys can all tell some pretty classic stories. I remember talking to a, a Crows player who I, I won't name who, who talked about, you know, back in the early 2000s, the you know, old school Johnny Reed back in the day, kind of, you know, standing over him with the gruff voice, talking about how much we're going to pay you and do all of this stuff. What's it actually like in the room? Like what what goes down? Depends. Uh, I think a lot on, I think as I, as I took you through it at the very first episode is understanding the values of who you're negotiating with. So if you're prepared and you understand the different types of personalities you'll be negotiating with, you'll understand. Uh, you'll understand what you're being prepared for and how it's going to go. So, uh, again, you wanna you wanna find out the information from the club. So the the stage can be set many different ways. It can be set with sometimes a, a coach may need to be involved. Uh, they might need to articulate an appropriate message of the position, uh, how they want them to play, um, what 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 they've got in store for them. Uh, that's quite common in a free agency pitch. Um, if it's a, an existing player at an existing club, uh, it might involve just you and a list manager. I think it's important a lot of the time to have another person in the room um, just so you've got a clear understanding of what was discussed, uh, how it was how it was determined uh, that the negotiations would proceed. Um, and a lot of the time is just have clear solutions. I mean, have clear solutions to... Um, you know what you're proposing so you start in the negotiations you, you you're prepared and understanding what your client's expectations are but hey what are theirs um so it's a pretty simple negotiation if theirs is that we're going no further um and they're doing the right thing calling you in and having a face-to-face um but often if it's a full intent that both parties want to stick around uh i think a lot of the time it's well what are you hoping to achieve from this outcome? What do you want? Um, what's your expectation? Where do you see this player playing? What's his age? Uh, you know, where, where's he going to be in three, four years? Um, what's the current coaching contract like? Uh, is, is this coach, we're talking about a four-year deal, but the current coach has only got two years left to go. How does that, how does that match up? Um, we're two years out from free agency. You're offering three years. Um, you know, we, we might only want two because then we can look at free agency and, and then going longer. Um, all these conversations and discussions will be taking place. And um, again, they're fruitful, honest, mature conversations where you're having them in a room um, with the intent of doing and executing exactly what your client wants um, and how they want to go about it, but having a real clear appreciation for the other party and, and what they're hoping to achieve as well. Many years ago, I was out of contract. Uh, I actually asked to be traded. I've told this story on The Big Deal before to uh, Tried to get to Carlton in 1998. I met with uh, Carlton's heavyweights, rocked up at my mum and dad's house at Grange in South Australia. Didn't end up getting traded, stayed, ended up staying at Port. But that following year when I was coming out of contract, I had a breakfast at Eddie Maguire's house. Um, 
didn't tell me about Mick Mouldhouse being signed, but told me that they were going to the um, Melbourne Park and leaving Victoria Park as a pitch, and also had Sydney come to Adelaide. How often does that stuff happen? Well, it happens, uh, and more so, I reckon, now. Um, I mean, in, in your day, I'm tipping a lot of that was secret, and a lot of that was... Yeah, yep. there were no cameras caught out, and it was totally secret, yeah. But it happens, and that's yep. what I'm trying to say. It happens a lot, because me as a player, if I'm leaving or if I'm re-signing, I want to know from all key pillars what you got for me. 100%, 100%. And a lot of that is determined by your CEO, your president, your coach, Um you know, who else you're recruiting, what their contracts are like, all that. And that's great because that's all the preparation piece and and understanding exactly the information in front of you. But it happens a lot now. And I again, the honesty piece that I touched on at the start. Do you tell the club? Yeah, you do. I do. You tell the club and go, hey, we're meeting someone? Absolutely. They'd like, they'd like that then, wouldn't they? On, on numerous occasions, um, hand on heart, I've, I've told um, pl- a club that a, a, a player is meeting with another football club, and then the players stayed. Um, yeah. So I, I'd like to think, certainly from my dealings, is that I'd like to think now that the industry has matured from that aspect because it doesn't necessarily mean the player's gone because you're actually saying to the player in some respect, go and see if you like that. And if you're comparing it back to what we've built here and what you like here, then you're going to stay because you're going, well, geez, that's actually not as good as what I've got here. And maybe I'm underappreciating what I've got and how good I've got it and how much they like me. And maybe it's a conversation I needed to have. And then that player ends up staying. And so, again, it's how you communicate that message and how you go about it. I mean, certainly if you sit there and you say, he doesn't like you anymore, can't stand the joint, he's going to go and meet A, B, C and D. Well, you're not going to get an outcome like that. But if you're sitting there and you've got a, you're trying to find common ground, sometimes a club might actually say, well, mate, let him go and speak and see what he feels, but just keep us in the loop, let us know what's going on. And as long as you're not parading them down Burke Street Mall and um, you bring in the brass band and you, and you carry on with it, I, I'm sure it can be done quite respectfully um, because sometimes the club that the player might be at might still be unsure of where all these different pieces sit. And then come July, their coaches re-signed for another three years. All these key pieces you're talking about are now different to where they were in January, February, and it makes more sense to stay. So there can be those moving pieces to, to a negotiation as well. Marty, given all the preparation and the data that, that goes into this before you even get to the table, a low ball offers still a thing? No. I, I can honestly say that I, I've never had anything like that where a club's just completely insulted a player and just, you know, made him feel worthless um, to the point where it's like, mate, we don't want you here, but here's an offer that we know you're going to refuse. Um, I think that, again, comes down to the mutual respect element and finding common ground where you're having those conversations, you're you're all discussing it, you're all open with it and I think the conversation more is now, particularly with free agency and the movement pieces and seeing players getting traded in contract more and all this sort of thing now that it's we can't get to this level and we know he's not at that. We know he's not at the level we can offer. Therefore, if there's a better opportunity that exists, we won't stand in your way. Having said that though, 
if he wants to stay, we'd love him to stay, but we can be creative and maybe do this or add an extra year or, or whatever else. So then you've got to go all the way back to the start and say, well, what's the expectation of my client? Does he want to win? Is that club in a premiership window? The extra year and he gets a chance to win flags and it might cost him X amount of money. That's what he wants to do. Go for it. Or it might be the other way around. Hey, a chance to get home, can get back to Adelaide, can go back to Queensland, whatever it may be. Uh, then we can use that as well. Um, so I think it's important, again, to, to understand all those different pieces, um, but never will you get an offer that you just go, oh, come on, like this is just, do you even want me to respond to this? Um, I, I don't. That's certainly not happening in today's game. Does that mean that there's no mind games at all then? Or are there other tricks and, and stuff that still goes on behind the scenes? Yeah, good question. Uh Tricks, yeah. There's always tricks. I think that there's there's uh, there's different elements and um, different things people use. Um, and again, that's your values piece. It's you go in wide, eyes wide open, and you know what you're dealing with, and you know what can happen. Um, you know, you might have a what you think's a fruitful conversation, and then all of a sudden, it's um, uh, someone else knows about it. Uh, that 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 can happen. Um, uh, so it's just being careful and, and optimistic and, and understanding, um, you know, clear lines and boundaries. But um, it's not – I'd like to say that it's not as um, – it, it's certainly nothing that I would be um, encouraging, a, a, you know, a 10-part documentary series on um, where, you know, you, you want – the ducks and drakes and, um, you know, low-balling offers and getting angry and beating the chest and slamming doors and carrying on. I mean, uh, who would want to work in an environment like that, to be perfectly honest? I, I mean, from where I sit, I actually think you want to get to point A to point B as quickly as you can because you're so well-prepared and knowledgeable that you understand what you're dealing with and you're not trying to get your client through any undue stress that they don't need. Uh, I mean, the AFL football is hard enough. Um, you don't want to be dealing with um, extra extra scrutiny, um, you know, and extra media attention and extra things like that on your contract and your trade and different things like that. So that's certainly where I sit with it all. Um, some might have a different view and a different value system, but I can't speak on behalf of others. I can only say that from where I sit, um, that that's certainly the way I'd want to go about it. How many conversations are going on through the negotiation process? Well, how many potentially could be going on in terms of, you know, you're, you're meeting with your player, you're meeting with the, the, the club that they're currently with, you're potentially talking to other clubs. Is it, you know, at, at a certain peak, is, there, is the phone just running hot through this process? Oh, yes and no. Um, depends on, on what level uh, the interest is. So uh, if a player's deciding between multiple clubs, I think it can uh, because you're, you're trying to facilitate different relationships and different expectations and different values from other list managers. So that can be tricky at times. Um, you know, you, you could need to eliminate a few clubs. Uh, you could need to, um, you know, educate a few people on some different situations that that player's going through. But I think... More often than not, um, communication is is at an acceptable level where I feel that you you put a clear deadline on it. Um, you're talking about an offer uh, when you'd like to hear back by, 
um, there might be parts of that offer that you agree with. So you found some common ground real quickly, really quickly, and you go, yep, 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 yep. Um, but hey, this is a sticking point here. Can we meet to discuss further? Um, can we flush that out? So you might be 80% of the way through uh, the negotiation, but it's that last 20% that might take an extra month because both parties are you know, stalling. And I think the other thing that we haven't discussed too is that I think we're talking in the days gone by where there's a lot of personalities at club uh, where you might have had one particular guy uh, that might have done it all and he might have been the key decision maker. Now we're dealing with committees and we're dealing with boards and we're dealing with people that have a, we're dealing with clubs that have a lot more governance. So a lot of the time you can communicate the right message to the particular representative representing the club, but then you've got to expect that that message and how you're going about it is communicated appropriately with list management. And sometimes five or six people can sit on that list management. So I would suspect what happens if you have five yeses and one no, you know, that might drag it out an extra two. I don't know. And I think that's one thing from us as agents um, a lot of the time. Sometimes, and good clubs will explain to you what their list management procedure is, how many people need to vote on it, what they need to do, you know, yada, yada. But a lot of other clubs might not um, as well. So that can sometimes create a little bit of frustration on on the players and the agent side of things because it's like, well, we're sitting here waiting. Like, well, well what are you doing? Um, we need to know. So I think there's that balance too where a lot of people are deciding on behalf of the club where it's only probably the agent and the player that are deciding on our behalf. So you're going to get an answer quicker from us than what we're going to get from you at times. Treaders, how is how is a player handling it through this process? I mean, I would assume that it could get pretty tense. You're trying to play, you know that all this stuff is happening in the background. Oh, I think it, it all depends on how you, you know, it's during footy season generally. If you're playing well, then it's it's okay. But it is an indirect stress that just sits in the background. Um, if you're injured and you're going through a negotiation and you're trying to get back from injury or you might be nursing a reconstruction, there, there is that element of stress then too. So what you need to do is try and disconnect from the process, which is almost impossible to do, but you do it as much as you can and you put your faith in whoever your agent or manager is because that's what they're there to do. They know where you're at. If you've, if you've got a good one and you've been with a good one for a while, they know you as a personality. They know what makes it work for you. You know what your expectations are and where you want to end up playing. So you have ultimately have a decision to make. In my situation with Jeff Motley, who did my contracts over my career, it was always in the, the midst of... This is where it started. This is where we've got it to. This is the absolute best I can do. Yes, it can always improve from here. His famous saying was, but I think, you know, and I often go, what do you think? He goes, well, you want to play at Port Adelaide? Yes. You want your best chance of paying success? Yes. You're set here in South Australia with business interests? Yes. That is the best deal I can get you right now. We've pushed it as far as we can. Bang. And that's when you're in a situation of making a commitment. So for me, it's always a situation of, Put your faith in the person and you concentrate on what you can control and your controllable is either recovering from a serious injury or playing the best footy you can play. There's nothing else other than that. A footballer's life, it's pretty simple. And let the professionals take care of what they need to do for you. You mentioned making the commitment, Treaders. That's going to be our next episode as we close this series. We're going to be putting pen to paper finally. Uh, Treaders is going to be doing the big deal. So thank you, Marty and Treaders. Uh, as I said, we're up to part four, the final episode in this series on the Art of the Deal 
next episode. So listeners, make sure you subscribe to the show and your favorite podcast player and join our community at www.thebigdeal.au. Before you go, don't forget to join our community by subscribing for free at www.thebigdeal.au and get a weekly email bringing together the hottest sports deals, breaking sports biz news as it happens, and much more. Join me at www.thebigdeal.au.